That's not, that's not evil? Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil? Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said, I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. You're fighting for the gay disco. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of us. The don't, don't use those kinds of slurs. You're fighting for the gay disco. What? Are there are no slurs here. Definitely, our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That's what they. That's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. Is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking on every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Hello, welcome again to EMJ Live. It's a Friday afternoon, a gloomy November day in South Bend, Indiana. And the big story of the week is uh, the Michael Voris story. On Wednesday, November 22nd, I received a call from Milo Yiannopoulos. Milo uh, wanted me to be the first to know that Michael Voris had been fired by the board of Church Militant TV. Later that day, the CM Church Militant TV board announced that Forrest had been fired for breaching their, quote, morality clause uh, without telling us what he did. Uh, this is typical of this incident, and it just gets worse as time goes on. At this point, the Internet lit up, uh, wanting a response, and Voris then did a video of himself. Uh, in which he said things like, the mission is always and remains the same, the salvation of souls. There have been failings in my personal behavior, not just now. I don't want to make excuses because there isn't any. There are some very ugly truths from my past that I, for essentially 62, for 62 years, have avoided. 
there are things that I have that I have to go away and address and work on. Again, they are horrible, ugly things. I'm not going to share them. Nobody else's business but mine. At this point, I think a, a pattern emerges here. It's nobody's business but his. Well, who said that? Uh, it turns out that you hurt a lot of people. Michael Voris hurt a lot of people during this period of time. And the period of time I'm talking about is the past six years, seven years, uh, which began, that period began with me writing this book, The Man Behind the Curtain, uh, which is about Michael Voris and the homosexual vortex. I wrote this book when all of the rumors surfaced for the first time. These were specific rumors about homo, uh, Voris being a homosexual. His past caught up with him. He tried to suppress it. He tried to pretend that nobody was going to find out what he did, and it didn't work. And at that point, there was a crisis that was precipitated, and I was involved in that crisis. I was involved in trying to resolve that crisis because uh, I had been working with Voris for a while, I mean, in a loose sort of association. I was friends with Mark Bramer, who gave Voris $250,000 to continue his apostolate and considered himself the owner of uh, what was then called... Uh, what was it called before it was Church Millen? Real Catholic TV. Okay, uh, when the whole thing blew up, uh, a lot of people got together and tried to salvage this operation and uh, tried to help Michael Voris. Uh, but Voris, you can read the details in this book. It's available at fidelitypress.org. I wrote it to basically not just to explain what happened, but to explain the bigger picture here. And part of the bigger picture here is uh, the, the essence of homosexuality, uh, the operating system of homosexuality, which was narcissism, uh, the sense that these people are the center of the universe and as a result can't interact normally with normal people. Uh, this is the fundamental problem here. And after seven years, uh, it looks as if the problem has only gotten worse. This is all about Michael Voris. I'm trying to be fair to him. It's nobody else's business but mine. Well, Michael, it is a lot of people's business because you hurt a lot of people. There's a libel suit that is going down from the Chancellor of the Diocese in New Hampshire uh, that is basically going to, I, I, I'm not a lawyer, but I've read the documents and I don't see any way Michael Voris can win this lawsuit. And this self-serving apologia is probably Voris's way of getting out of church militant while the getting is good and trying to hang the whole thing on them and get away and let other people pick up the pieces. He did go on to say, anyone who has been impacted in a negative way, you have my deepest heartfelt apologies. Nothing I can say to make it good. And then it goes right back to the whole, you know, pious uh, story of Michael Voris being the Catholic on the mission to save the Catholic Church. Can't get uh, specific about anything here. The people that he hurt, uh, there are plenty of people that he hurt, uh, and uh, we can get into that at another point, but let's hear what he has to say here. Nothing touches the mission. 
Every one of us as a Catholic has a mission. One of the points I tried to make here in this book that I wrote seven years ago was uh, the effect that sin has on you, on everyone. Okay, now we're talking about an especially grievous sin here when we're talking about homosexuality. It's not like fornication. I mean, these are sins against the sixth commandment, but fornication is according to the natural order. And when you get into homosexuality, you're going over that edge into an act that is against God's order, against nature. And the problem here is that it has an especially deranging effect on the soul that Boris simply ignored. Boris went from being uh, the guy who went on gay cruises and engaged in all of the depraved behavior that takes on that to being a spokesman for the Catholic Church with nothing in between. Now, if you uh, uh, want to become a priest uh, and you have homosexual inclinations, you cannot become a priest. That has nothing to do with acting on these homosexual inclinations. Boris was not only wanted to become a priest, he was in the seminary, and he was expelled from the seminary for homosexual behavior. He claimed that it was uh, spiritual immaturity, but that was the code word for homosexual behavior at that time. At that point, he embarked upon a life of uh, homosexual debauchery, and then he claims he saw the light and woke up one day and decided to become a crusader for the church. He had no right to arrogate this principle, this 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 office, and appoint himself the church crusader. He he refers to his church militant thing as an apostolate. An apostolate. Who whose idea was this? Who 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 said that church militant was an apostolate? Apostolate comes from the word apostle. The, the, the apostles, the bishops now, are the successors of the apostles. So if you're talking about an apostolate, I think the first place you should look is to the bishops. And the first place you find, first thing you find out about church militant is that Boris was a notorious bishop basher. All of the animosity that he felt after getting expelled from the seminary knowing full well that there were other people in the seminary who were just as homosexual as he was who did not get expelled, all of that animosity got directed against the bishops of the Catholic Church. And it turned into this personal kind of vendetta that Voris was leading. How is that an apostle? If you read this book, <laughs> you'll find out that the church fathers had lots to say about the role of bishops and the fact that uh, you really should not criticize bishops. Now, I know that there are plenty of people who feel differently out there, uh, and uh, they were the people that basically were the prime audience for Michael Voris. Uh, he pandered to that crowd. They threw a lot of money at them. Even after this, this comes out, they're still throwing money at him. They all ignored uh, what I had to say in this book. Uh, maybe they should have thought it over again. Maybe Michael Voris should have thought it over, thought over what I said back then. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make a, 
uh, a wild claim here. I think that's exactly what this little public confession is about, at least partially. Let's let's go uh, to uh, the clip right around six minutes. Ugliness uh, surfacing uh, inside. Have not liked it for a number of times in my head. I had written my resignation letter already uh, a handful of times this year. Uh, so I am, uh, uh, and like I said, in one sense, kind of relieved. I need to conquer these demons. And I'm not talking about just act out demons. Uh, that's a symptom. Wait, it's let's, almost, stop, let's stop here for a second. Let's stop here for a second. I need to conquer these demons. What did I say about uh, homosexuality and narcissism from the very beginning? It's all in this book. The details are all in this book. The homosexual is always involved in some type of psychic drama, placing himself at the center of the universe. This is not about you and your demons, uh, Michael. This is about you and all the people you damaged by claiming that you were some type of uh, apostle running an apostolate. That's what this should be about, and it's not. We never get any type of concrete statement about, I'm sorry that I hurt Mr. So-and-so. I'm sorry that I did this. I retract what I said about that man after I ruined his reputation. None of that. None of that is here. It's all me. I got to conquer my demons. All right, continue. downplaying it at all. What I'm saying is the underlying cause of it has been too ugly for me to look at. It involves an awful lot of, in one sense for me, like spiritual terror. And I've not wanted to go near it because of what I, because. So uh, that said, I have spent the last couple of days or so, a few days, uh, looking and talk, looking for and talking to people who I believe can help me face this and uh, professionally. Uh, so um, I am going to, uh, I don't want to use the word retreat, but uh, I'm going to step away from the camera and I'm going to go concentrate on that. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, uh, you're gonna, I've been talking to people who can help me face this. People have been trying, we, we tried to help you face this seven years ago, Michael. I mean, we, uh, you had a spiritual advisor at that point, uh, and then you turned on him because of, uh, and, and destroyed, tried to destroy him. You did everything within your power to destroy this man because of the spiritual advice he was giving you. But he wasn't the only guy. Mark Bramer and I offered you a deal at this point, okay? And it's exactly the deal that you're now trying to get someone else to offer you. I'm going to step away from the camera. Well, uh, seven years ago, that was the deal. I was going to step in your place in front of the camera and you were going to step behind the camera and we were going to collaborate because you had these, this uh, expertise in this area, which I did not have and do not have. Uh, and I thought, well, maybe we could work together. Well, it didn't work out. And 
uh, you can't argue with existence. The fact that it didn't work out is God's plan, and God's plan is more powerful than any plan that we can come up with. Man proposes and God disposes. And so you reneged on that agreement. You first of all agreed to it, and then over that weekend you got bad advice, and then you decided to go on your own. And you did exactly what you're doing now seven years ago, and everybody fell for it back then and you got money and you kept going and you did more damage in those seven years than you had done before. And now it's still all about you, isn't it? Isn't it, Michael? You and your demons and you're gonna to have to go and someone is gonna to have to take care of you and you're gonna to have to have therapy and all that type of stuff. When are you going to apologize to the people you hurt? When is that going to happen? When are you going to say, what I said about Father X is not true? I defamed that man and I apologize for doing that. You cannot, how can you expect any type of forgiveness unless you actually tell us what you did? Now, I'm not a, I'm not a priest. You're not going to me in confession. But what you did was a public act that de that demands public restitution. You need to publicly say to these people, I lied about you. I deliberately went after you. I tried to destroy your, your reputation. I tried to get you fired from your job and so on down the line. Okay. And it's none of that here. It's all about you. It's all about you and your apostolate. And then by the end of this uh, embarrassing uh, narcissistic self-promotion, including tears. I mean, he just got all choked up thinking about himself. Like, poor me. Poor me. I'm, I, I'm in such a bad... I'm just going to start crying because of poor me. Uh, 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 this is... Uh, and then, and then he says, uh, I am out of the apostolate so that there will be a very clear separation here. First of all, Michael, it is no apostolate. That's what you call it. It was a racket. It was a money racket and it was a slander racket. It's not an apostolate, but the staff continues, uh, deserves your continuing support. They are obviously hurt by this. Their work can't be diminished because they're legal fair. Well, of course it's diminished because they're legal fair. What do you think a leader is? He's the guy who leads the troops, and you led them into an ambush here. The mission can go away. It just can't. It's way too important. Had I not the love and support of those around me who are exhibiting that because of their Catholic faith, had I not the church to be there, I'm not sure what would have happened. And then he tears up again. Grace builds on nature, my nature, my truths. And then it gets all teary again. From my deep, deep, deep past are deeply damaged and those need fixing and addressing. Okay, so it's still all about you. I think I know what he's talking about. And I think he's also talking about something that I mentioned in this book, okay, which he attacked me for mentioning. I have ran into Michael Voris 
uh, what was it? Uh, a couple of years ago. I mean, it was after this happened. It was at the call to holiness, I don't know, 25th anniversary celebration. I was one of the speakers to the call of holiness, which was in 1996 in Detroit. He showed up with his entourage. I went over to try and talk to him. He didn't want to talk to me. Okay, I can understand that. You don't want to talk to me. I went back and sat down and then he comes over behind me. I'm sitting at the table there and he says, if I weren't a gentleman, I'd deck you. Now, I don't know which claim is more preposterous, that Voris is a gentleman or that he can deck me. But it didn't give me any indication that he was thinking about what I had said. Now he's thinking about what I said. Now he would love to have the offer that Mark Bramer and I offered him way back when, uh, but nobody's making the offer. But that doesn't mean he's not planning a comeback. This is the whole end of this thing here is Voris is going to, uh, he's going to come back. He's, he, he's just so sorry. He's going to go into therapy. He's going to have someone hold his hand and that will heal him. And he'll deal with all his demons. And then he's going to come back and he's going to come back. And if he comes back, I'm going to tell you, he will do exactly the same thing he did for the first two times. Because character is destiny. Now, oh, man, that that light up when I put that on the internet. Don't you believe in forgiveness? Of course I believe in forgiveness. My question is you, don't you believe in penance? If, if, the, if the, uh, the, the macho Catholics out there had read the St. John Chrysostom, they'd know that he said, look, the sin is the arrow. You can remove the arrow, but the wound remains. And I'm telling you, the wound that is known as homosexuality goes so deep and it deranges the soul so much that you are not fit. You, being a homosexual, are not fit for the priesthood of the Catholic Church. And if you try to disguise that and turn that into an apostolate where you're now a successor of the bishops, it's even worse when you appoint yourself to an office that you have no right to take. Now, I said this before, and they said, shame on you, you're being judgmental. And I said, you wait. Character is destiny. This guy is destined for a fall because he can't get away from that homosexual narcissism. To think that you can go like that, even though God can forgive your sins, and you can get over your bad habits like that, is called cheap grace. And it doesn't work that way. You want to know a good example of cheap grace? Read Huckleberry Finn. And Pap, Pap was an absolutely no good son of a bitch. Uh, but uh, the judge thought he could save him. And Pap said, "What? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm saved now. This is our Protestant brothers. They do this all the time. They get saved, you know. And it's called cheap grace because they think they can go right to heaven uh, after living a life of sin. And they end up like, I can tell you lots of them. Remember Jimmy Swaggart? He tried tears too. He had more tears than Michael Voris. But it's the same type of story. He's, this is the same playbook. You can go all the way back to Martin Luther. And what you have is the same old story of these guys who can't control their sexual passion and then use cheap grace to cover it up. Because Martin Luther said, grace covers 
sin the way snow covers shit. That's not Catholic teaching. Catholic teaching is that you can be rehabilitated, but it takes effort on your part to get over the wound. That's called penance. And it takes discipline and it takes time. And doing it in five minutes is not going to work. You're going to end up worse off than you were before. And that's precisely what happened to Michael Voris first time around. And then God gave him a chance. We made him an offer and he said, screw you. I'm going to do it. And now we're the second time around. And believe it or not, <laughs> there are people who still react to the same way, exactly the way they reacted the first time around. I love you. This is the com box. With the same holy love Jesus and Mama Mary has for you. And I do feel your pain and I have my tears for you. Shed because of that holy love have for you. Courage, my brother. Courage be yours, I pray. Be triumphant like St. Mary Magdalene at the foot of the cross. This is already after he screwed up. This is the second time you screwed up, fella. I mean, even in Huck Finn, the judge didn't give Pap a second chance, didn't put him in that bed a second time so they could fall off the roof dead drunk. Anyway, everyone's ignoring this. This is the lesson of the comm box. That was one example. A significant number of responders to the comm box told Voris that he had brought them to the Catholic faith. 1038 on the morning of November 22nd, 2023, Sheldon Jessup tweeted that your videos helped me become a Catholic. God bless you. We all have demons we fight. Some are more public than others. You were brave enough to begin that journey. May Our Lady keep you. Okay, that's great. He brought someone to the Catholic faith. Which Catholic faith are we talking about here? On uh, For some of the people... Brought, uh, Voris brought into the church, disillusionment was the immediate response to his mea culpa. On November 21st, Philip McNichol tweeted, I'm stunned. I'm confused. I'm in disbelief. I need answers. I listened to this man as direction for my moral life, and he is telling me he is a moral disaster. Oh, oh, well, maybe that's part of what's going on here. And maybe these people, maybe this guy is the only guy who experienced that way. So it's great that you brought everyone to the Catholic Church or some people to the Catholic Church, but which Catholic Church did you bring them to? Your Catholic Church? When Voris called the Catholic Church that I belong to, he called it the Church of Nice. He was talking about the Catholic Church founded by Jesus Christ, whose priest, according to Voris, soft-pedaled the hard sayings of the gospel. As the alternative to the Church of Nice, Voris proposed his own peculiar church, the Church of Nasty, according to which bishops existed to be bashed. Slander was its lingua franca. All of the backbiting bitchiness and calumny that Voris learned from the time he spent in the homosexual demimond now got repurposed as zealous defense of the faith. Anyone who questions Voris's zeal deserved everything he got. Anyone who questioned Voris's leather bar version of Catholicism, this was 
all you had to do was watch a few. This is S&M Catholicism. That's the church that Boris created. That's the church that that poor guy up that I just mentioned, that's the church he joined. Anyone who questioned Boris's Catholicism deserved to be destroyed. That was, and also, I'm literally talking about deserve to be destroyed, not just in your terms of your reputation being destroyed, but how about your ability to earn a livelihood? You mess with Voris and he will go after you and he will destroy you. Oh, wait a minute. Is that an exaggeration? Okay. I don't want to be guilty of any exaggeration here. Okay. So what happened after Voris then, after he poured out his heart, cried crocodile tears about how he was suffering, and then opened it, kept the door open for coming back for a third time to all these gullible people who don't understand uh, uh, the workings of cheap grace. Okay? What happened is that Christine Niles jumped into the story. Christine Niles, for those of you who know uh, the operation, uh, was his right-hand man, uh, and she jumped ship a week before Michael Voris did. I hate to use the analogy, but it seems appropriate. The rats always leave a sinking ship, and church militant is nothing if not a sinking ship. So she told us that she, quote, poured my heart out into that apostolate. Oh, she's using the same word, apostolate. This is known as folie adieu in French. Niles announced, if you were hoping that I would divulge private details about this breach of morality clause, that's not happening. I will respect Michael Voris's privacy. And then she announced, I'm not in the business of detraction. Well, for once, someone in this apostolate is telling the truth. Christine Niles is not into detraction. She's into slander. And slander is different than detraction. Detraction is telling the, uh, the hidden truth of another, revealing the hidden truth of another for no good reason. Slander means lying. And this is precisely what Christine Niles did when she went to the Marine Corps and tried to get uh, Mike Parrott, a dishonorable discharge. Now, this where hey, this is not journalism. This is not an apostolate. This this is uh what should I say? Psychological warfare? No, it's not that. I, I'm at a loss for words to say. This is really awful. When you go after a guy who has seven kids and you just try to dest destroy his his livelihood because you don't like what he said. This is the type of people we're dealing with here. And what's the reaction? How about John Henry Weston? Life site news. We have to remember who Michael Voris is. He brought so many people to the church by his fidelity. What? Fidelity? Uh, uh, what, the only plausible explanation that I can draw from the fact that Voris uh, was fired for violating his morality clause 
is that he fell off the wagon and engaged in homosexual activity again. I have no way of knowing that, but it seems to me it's the only plausible explanation. No one else is saying anything. So what is this fidelity that is talking about? His way of expressing the truths of the faith in a vigorous, beautiful way that caused countless conversions. I've already dealt with this. They converted to the church of nasty. And now what are they going to do now that their hero is gone? Disillusionment? I guess I was wrong. I guess I was wrong in coming to the Catholic faith. I guess it was what Voris said. It was just this nasty, vindictive attack on anybody who disagreed with him. Well, we can't pile on. Let's pray for our brother who is obviously suffering and reach out to him in love. He is a man who has done a lot for the Lord. Let's pray and let's not be taken in. There's going to be a lot of accusations. There's going to be an attempt to paint Life Sight and Taylor Marshall and Michael Matt with a kind of brush that says, look, look, let's not go there. Well, all right, wait a minute. So this is self-serving too. Uh, uh, they're afraid of being tarred by the same brush. Uh, okay, I think I get that now. All right. Uh That then found its way into the eponymous news, the eponymous flower, which talked about uh, the slimy film of faux caritas. Great phrase there. I wish I had thought of that myself. Anyway, uh, this came out with regard to uh, not Michael Voris, but uh, the people who reacted to Michael Voris, that's what they're talking about here. One of them was Janet Smith. I don't know whether you remember the incident between me and Janet Smith. Janet Smith and I go way back to the 1980s. I was on to be on Patrick Coffin's uh, Hope is Fuel podcast conference uh, and uh, the thug uh, Mark Shea. Uh, leaned on everybody to get me canceled, get me thrown under the bus. And Janet stood up and says, no, I'm not going to do that. I know Mike Jones. I used to go to his house. His wife's a great cook, blah, blah, blah. And then he leaned on her again and she folded like a cheap suit. Uh, one of the reactions, this is eponymous flower. One of the reactions from the traitorous neocon, this is not me, that's whoever it is at eponymous Janet E. Smith is presently cautioning people to be nice, if not actually Christian. Did she extend this kind of charity to E. Michael Jones when she called Jones an anti-Semite? No. Because one of what the other reason that Voris got a buy on, this is the second time around, is because all of these Catholics have not only internalized the idea of cheap grace, which is a Protestant idea, they've internalized the dominant culture's view of what homosexuality is. Hey, it's just an alternative lifestyle. No, it's not just an alternative lifestyle. It has a deeply deranging effect on the human soul that disqualifies the homosexual from becoming a priest 
and certainly from becoming a spokesman for the Catholic Church without any type of Episcopal control. One wonders, to come back to this, if there's another allegiance Smith is loyal to beyond her appearance of Catholicism. It's this kind of reveal that people often miss and others will attempt to glaze over with a, as I said, slimy film of faux caritas. Budgie Niles shows the devilish hoof beneath a tight-fitting silk dress for her part when Boris and Christine Niles, like the Marxist gangsters that they are, doxed Mike Parrott to the Marine Corps. Niles told military authorities that she thought he was insufficiently committed to the LBGTQ, whatever they are, values. Is that the true allegiance that binds these bad actors together and lays them bare to the possibility of blackmail and coercion? Does Janet E. Smith now re recall how Voris and Niles gloated when they got Parrot a less than honorable discharge from the Marine Corps? Questions that still need to be answered. That's my rant. Let's hear what you have to say. Okay, big monologue there. So we're going to try to be quick about this so we can get your questions in. Uh, hello, voice you're hearing, Mike Bajakis, Dr. Jones' assistant. Uh, for those who don't know, um, uh, this is call in section of the uh, prog program, and it is in our Telegram. Uh, and uh, wherever you're looking, a link is going to be in the description. It'll send you right to our Telegram. Uh, in Telegram, I will call on those who raise their hand. And then later in the stream, uh, we'll read off uh, text questions from the chat. Uh, try to keep on subject. Try to keep to one question at a time. Be respectful of everyone's time and do not forget to unmute yourself. All right, let's get to the chat here. I'm going to go for Chicago talk show host. Uh, go ahead. And don't forget to unmute. You there, Chicago? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, very good. I just wanted to say happy Thanksgiving to you and Mike. Um, I'm glad to be here. Fridays, I work these days, so I'm not here as often. I'm going to be ordering the Holocaust narrative this week. I'm going to do a book review. I'm still working on that, the Jewish revolutionary spirit. But the reason I wanted to talk was I wanted to mention that I watched on Netflix, Ordinary Men, and it's a book written in 2017 about you know what happened in World War II and how these regular people did the things that they did when they were part of the Nazi police. And none of this is going to shock you, Dr. Jones, but for when they were talking about it, these pundits, they were talking about why men could develop a proclivity to kill in this sort of state, right? Why would that be? And not once did they talk about God and the godlessness. Not once did they do that, which is not shocking because it is on Netflix. You know, some woman would, would say things like, oh, the Nazis believed the Bolsheviks and the communists were Jews when they were, and they didn't review that. They just kind of skipped over that. They never mentioned 200 years, uh, written by uh, Solzhenitsyn, uh, and they never mentioned any of that. They just kind of skim over it. Being on Netflix, of course, they emphasize the Jewish casualties, but absolutely no mention of Catholic persecution by the hands of the Nazis. So my point is, yes, the purpose of the book highlights we may have this proclivity to get to become the killers, right, under these certain cir circumstances, and that there's less of people standing up for what's right and going against the tide, largely because of the vacuum of not having Christ in their lives 
and the Catholic doctrine, all of which was similar, summarily ignored, which again, wasn't shocking, again, because it was on Netflix, uh, being a propaganda machine. Um, so I just wanted to know, have you heard of this book and, and your thoughts, please? No, I, I haven't heard of it, but I mean, it's a classic uh, Holocaust narrative. This got hijacked by the Jews. You, the thing you're talking about was uh, uh, Father Lenz's book about Christus and Dachau, which explained what you're explaining, that atheism leads to horror. It leads to, there was no moral laws, you can kill anyone. And that's precisely where it led. And then that story got changed. So I'm glad you brought it to our attention. What can you expect from Netflix? Nothing. As the narrative is unraveling as we speak. Okay? It's not going to work anymore. They overplayed their hand. It's over. And it's only a matter of time before that trickles up to places like Netflix sooner or later. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. Cool. All right. Thank you so much, Chicago Talk Show host. Let us go to Universum. Universum is next. And go ahead. Hello, Dr. Jones. Yes. Regarding the, the topic of what you said, that, that homosexuals could could not be allowed to become bishops and presumably the Pope. Um, would that would that exclude people that who just have the the orientation or the predilection to the sin, or would would it only include people who actually engage in the sin itself? I was I was wondering. Ask no, a friend. It's the orientation. <laughs> Whether you act on it or not, if you have that orientation, you're defective. Okay, you can still go to heaven. Okay. But you're, you're defective as a human being because you don't have the proper orientation that will allow you to be a father to a spiritual flock. So it's uh, similar to uh, the fact that if, you don't, if you're missing fingers, sorry, you can't be a priest. Not to say you're a bad person, but you're defective in the sense that you don't have something which you should have. That's exactly the analogy to this homosexual orientation. It's not... Sin, it's not acting out on it. It goes beyond that. It's the orientation that makes you defective. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, thank you for that question. Let's go to Down with Jewish Supremacy. Uh, go ahead. And don't forget to unmute yourself if needed. Hi, Dr. Jones. I just wanted to say thank you for what you do. Um, I watch the show and listen with my daughter on Fridays. And you've been so helpful for me to uh, explain to her what's going on with her mother. Her mother is always in and out of prison on drugs and all that stuff. And she's captured by the Jewish revolutionary spirit. And I just wanted to tell you thank you verbally for all that you've done for me and for her. Secondly is a question. I would like to know about Sakut Judaeus Non, right? So my understanding that I've learned from you is that Jews are not supposed to uh, undermine the culture, but on the other hand, we are not supposed to do anything to them or cause harm to them. My question to you is this, is that uh, when they are being subversive and trying to undermine a culture, whether it's a country or a religious institution, how to deal with them then i'm not saying i'm not advocating violence but not at all what i'm saying is what's the proper way to deal with that when when someone catches someone or doing something subversive what do you do like what's a what's a proper action a proper response to that type of thing thank you and that's all i have you're welcome uh, originally when the catholic church had police power uh, the jew would be expelled 
uh, because the Jew was never a citizen. He had no rights as a citizen. He was uh, tolerated as an alien, as a resident alien. If he violated that contract, he was simply expelled. And the Jews were expelled from 109 countries, okay, because they consistently violated that. Now, if you're asking me now, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we have no political power whatsoever. The church has no political power. The church is now uh, uh, the problem. It is a significant problem when it comes to dealing with Jews. So uh, all we can do is try to raise consciousness at this point and try to say, look, uh, this is what we're reduced to. So these Catholics are telling you the Mosaic Covenant is eternally valid or something like that. And so, w wait a minute. Do you know that uh, Jews consider abortion a fundamental val Jewish value? How do you reconcile that? This is what we're reduced to. We have to try and start this discussion to raise consciousness and hope that it will catch on. I think it is catching on. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I've sp spoken to a number of groups. I can't tell you where. I can't tell you who because the people get in trouble. But uh, seminarians show up at my talk. They will eventually be priests. And once they're priests, they will eventually start preaching the gospel again. But that all comes from raising consciousness. That's the way it has to happen now. That's the situation we're reduced to. God is not going to abandon us. Eventually, the default setting will return. The default setting of the Catholic Church is secret Judaism and on. It's going to return. The church cannot perdure an error. And I have bet my life on this. I've said that before. I'm so sure it's going to happen. I bet my life. Thank you for bringing it up. Okay, moving on here. Let's go to our friend Lloyd. Uh, go ahead, Lloyd. Hi, Mike. Um, excellent analysis as always. Uh, I just wanted to provide some um, um, good news from the great southern penal colony formerly, formerly known as Australia. Uh, there, there, are two, there are two things. One, there was an attempt to change our, the Australian constitution via referendum. It was called The Voice and it was in two parts. The first part was to recognise Indigenous Australians, which everyone was okay with. The second part was to uh, introduce a an advisory council into Parliament, and the legal sort of interpretation of that was it was going to become another arm of gov government, which would have veto power, and which allow through the back door to have all the crazy globalist agendas come into Australia. There was a resounding rejection of that, with 60% to 40%. The government threw over $400 million at this. Um, the no campaign got zero funding, but the yes campaign. So that was a, a sign that consciousness is rising in Australia. The other one is a censorship bill. We know that censorship bills are passed in uh, the, in Great Britain and also in Canada. There were 23,000 submissions um, to Parliament and there, there was an embarrassing back down. So good news from Australia. Consciousness is rising and uh, I think a lot of your good work has helped that. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lloyd. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, most of the people who went there uh, to that penal colony came from Ireland, uh, and Ireland is now going through a huge crisis. I think uh, you mentioned that uh, uh, the, the something about colonies. I don't know. They never got over being colonies. Uh, but the Irish were trying to uh, impose a hate speech, and I don't think it was succeeding. 
it was not succeeding. So now I just got uh, there are riots in Dublin right now. They're they're being characterized as anti-migration riots. Apparently, some Muslim some immigrant stabbed some Irish girls, and the people blew up. Maybe the case. Maybe it's spontaneous, but my good friend Gemma O'Doherty, who is leading the 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 uh, the fight against hate speech and censorship, uh, she thinks it's a uh, false flag operation uh, that the government is now using to basically uh, revoke all these rights. We have to be conscious of the fact that this is a possibility. Uh, maybe they're worried that uh, what the Australians did. Uh, is going to happen in Ireland. Maybe they've taken it a little too far. But anyway, thanks for sharing the good news from Australia. Thanks. Speak soon. Bye. Okay, let's do uh, one more here, and we'll jump to the chat. So you guys start asking your questions now. Let's go to uh, Raymond. Go ahead, Raymond. Hello, uh, Michael. Uh, my name is Ramon. Um, I'm calling the... Uh, with regards with Michael Boris, um, I don't know if you remember last year he did a hit piece on Jesse Lee Peterson, and that's my first interaction with church militant because I'm I came from the uh, JLP crowd, and um and I was listening to you today, and you said there was actually a separate incident that happened before the one that this recent one, so, and I had me, never I, even heard about the first one. What uh, what kind of incident happened? No, you're saying that uh, this was the second time Boris oh, well, yeah, uh, has sure. happened? Oh, yeah. This is what this book is about. First time around, his homosexual past caught up with him. He he hid that from all the people who were donors, including Mark Bramer, who wouldn't have wow. given him the money if, if he had known. I wouldn't have associated myself with him if I had known that point. You know, this was a very limited association. I had suspicions that I just ignored you know, in his behavior, but I just ignored it. I think that's just me. You know, I'm just a homophobe or something like that. No, it <laughs> happened the first time. No, it, his homosexual past caught up with him. He was ready to resign and move behind the camera and we were going to collaborate. And then he reneged on the deal. And then he launched into part two and part two was worse than part one, as I will detail in uh, uh, something that is going to follow here. So let me ask you this then: What what was the issue then? That because I know a lot. I have, I think you've heard of this phrase that oh why or why do we punch right? You know, and this is the exact same situation. Why we do that? Why we fight uh, within the right? Because there there's people that have been hidden and are still hiding within our ranks doing these things, and and once we uh, fight like when we weed out. On the right, what's you know what I mean? I, I I'm kind of look, flustered I, right I, now, but I checked out of the right a long time ago. It's an illusion, and it's it's a a cover for bad behavior, and that's precisely the problem with all of these people, though especially the ones that uh, that John Henry Weston mentioned. This is this is right wing Catholicism. I don't want any part of right-wing Catholicism. I don't like left-wing Catholicism. I don't want any ideological distortions of the Catholic faith, period. That's why people always get mad at me. I'm supposed to be some type of foot soldier in their uh, army, and I'm not. I'm not. I've never been. And that's why I've always had trouble with all these people. I went through this thing with Medjugorje. Remember Medjugorje? 
That was part of the anti-communist crusade. The CIA was behind it. Nobody knew that, but anyway. Uh, and I said, look, I don't care who's behind it. I don't care whether communists are on the other side or not. They're lying. And I'm not going to go along with a lie uh, for political purposes. We have to abolish these, these hyphenate Catholicisms. I don't believe in no enemies to the right. I believe in the truth and that the truth is great and it will prevail. And I think the Catholic Church is the truth, and that's why I'm a member. That's it. Don't recruit me into any other uh, factions. Okay, thank you, Ramon. We're going to move quick here because we don't have too much time. Let's get to chats at Cozy. Okay, um, from a user on Cozy, uh, who did Voris defame specifically? There's a lawsuit in. Uh, it's out of... Uh, New Hampshire is the chancellor of the Diocese of New Hampshire, and I don't have the name right off the top of my head. It's part of the ongoing research that I'm doing, but you can look it up. It's already been written up a number of different times. I wish I had the guy's name, but I don't, <laughs> so I'm sorry. But there's a real live lawsuit that it looks to me as if Voris is going to lose, and that may have motivated his sudden departure, uh, even more so than his own personal demons. Uh, another user on Cozy asks, why did Church Militant start attacking RTF Mike? Because RTF Mike defended a priest that Forrest had defamed. <laughs> this is nasty, nasty stuff. That was that was Mike Parrott's big sin. He defended a priest that uh, Voris had attacked. And, and who was this? Do you know much about that? Wasn't this priest... Like SSPX or, or had accusations against him? I'm going to, this is something I'm going to get into in detail at another point. But, uh, I mean, that's that's the story. Okay. Um, from Beyond Consciousness on Cozy, EMJ, did you look into the human experiments in the camps and the stories of uh, Mangala? Yes. Are they, are they true or false or somewhere between? Yes, there were human experiments. Yes, there were. And, and which ones were true? Uh, I think they did something on uh, hypothermia. Uh, they plunged people into cold water. Uh, I'm not sure about uh, malaria. They might have been the experiments, but then th these things all get embellished. You can't have uh, a guy in a concentration camp who doesn't meet Joseph Mengele. And you know, you know how it's Joseph Mengele because he's wearing a monocle. This is what Ailey Wiesel said, it's preposterous. Someone has done the research. He got it from Eric von Stroheim's book, uh, uh, movie. And the German actors who came to Hollywood all wore monocles because they wanted to uh, look uh, exotic. Okay, that's part of the, uh, the uh, what I said, it's always the same thing. There is a category of reality. There was a Joseph Mengele. There were experiments. And then you build a, a kind of structure upon that, a propaganda structure that is totally a category of the mind, which now includes uh, Ailey, uh, uh, Mengele wearing a monocle. And there's a question from Telegram. I have lost the person's name, but I, uh, I think it went, um, is what is going on in Ireland a false flag incident or is it real? That's what Jenna, Gemma O'Doherty is saying. She's saying it's a false flag. Now, again, if you're asking about the Irish resentment at unchecked immigration at the hands of uh, the, the homosexual Tizik uh, Vatikar. That's real. 
There is that resentment, but it may very well be that the whatever the Irish Secret Service is, is going to weaponize that. They'll show up at the demonstration. Uh, they will start firing guns uh, at what wasn't, uh, was. they will ensure that what might have been peaceful will become violent so that the government can crack down. This is uh, Gemma's uh, verdict, her, her claim, and I respect Gemma. She's, she's there. She knows a lot more about Ireland than I do. And if she says it's a false flag, I believe her. Now, which aspect is false? Was this were the stabbings a false flag or the reaction? no, no, no? The stabbings are not. That was okay. that was real. Three girls got stabbed. They didn't. They weren't killed, but they got stabbed. Okay, and I'm sure there was a once the word got out, there was a a reaction on the part of the Irish people. But then that's where the uh, the Antifa crowd comes in, and they start turning something into a spontaneous protest into a false flag operation by engaging in violence, burning cars, stuff like that. It's, if you go onto Twitter, you, you can see the, the story. There's a lot of accounts on what's going on there. I think that's, again, it fits in with my talking about what is propaganda? You have to have a category of reality, and that's real. And then you put this superstructure on it, which is category of the mind, and people say, oh, that's real too. So if there were dead bodies in Buchenwald, then it must be true that Mengele wears a monocle. That's the, what we're talking about here. If it's true that uh, people are burning buses, it must be true that they are violent Nazis and anti-Semites. No, you can't draw that conclusion. That's where the false flag comes in. From James Ur 77 E. Michael Jones, do you think the West should be a majority white country? It's a meaningless term. It's, uh, I'm not white. I'm biracial. It's a meaningless term. It's a category of the mind that gets imposed on reality for political purposes. That's all it's been from the beginning. I just, I just, I just got all these Irishmen telling me they're white. You're not white, fellas. You're Irish. Read Nolik Natiev's book, How the Irish Became White, and you'll realize you weren't white for a long time. You were over when you come when you're in Ireland, when you're in Estonia, wherever you are, you're not white. You're only white when you come in contact with black people. And then you're caught up in this dynamic where they're trying to divide the races because divide and conquer is the way you rule people. That's it from the beginning in Virginia, 1613, whatever it was. That's the first time that the word white was applied to human beings. And it's because they wanted to divide the black worker from the white worker or the black slave from the white slave. It's a category of the mind. It doesn't correspond to reality. From Catulus, uh, Dr. Jones, uh, this last synod is trying to pass the gay agenda into the church. Will Voris, quote, fight his demons, end quote, if it is passed? I'm, I'm not quite sure what the question is. I think he's saying, like, is, is Voris going to, look, this is meat. This is red meat for Michael Voris. He, he couldn't have succeeded without some disorder in the church. It would have been impossible. He couldn't have succeeded uh, unless people were upset about some disorder in the church. I'm going to say all the way to New York, New York is where this all started with him. Uh, Basically, they've uh, the Catholic Church, the Diocese of New York, has tolerated uh, homosexual priests as long as they don't molest minors and cause uh, lawsuits. This is a scandal. I have this from a priest who was at the meeting at the Archdiocese when it was announced. 
He told me that. That's scandalous. And you can't have something like that without a reaction. And who runs into it uh, to, to be the big crusader, Michael Voris, who's himself a homosexual? Okay? This is all makes sense in some deep psychological way that I'm trying to explicate here so that we don't run into, so, okay, there's the enemy there, and I'm going to run into the arms of the enemy over there. That's exactly uh, the way the devil works here. Well, it's uh, 6 o'clock, Doc. Want to do a couple more? Or? Yeah, I, I went long, so we'll do a couple more. We'll do a couple more. Um, Dr. Joe, this is from Militant Yay Stan. Uh, Dr. Jones, any thoughts on Conor McGregor's recent crusade against immigration multiculturalism in Ireland? I don't think it's, it's not hard to understand. If you're an Irishman, you want your own country. And if you flood it with people from someone else, they will take it away from you. That's the plan. It's not coincidence. That's the plan. Now, whether it succeeds, that's another issue. And if you look at England, I think that uh, the cunning of reason is in play there because you flood it with Muslims. It turned out the Muslims are more conservative than the English, and they will restore the social order in a way that the English can't. That's God's plan. That's the way God works here. How it's going to work in Ireland, I don't know. It's a different situation. From Wenzel on Cozy, um, follow-up to the orientation slash acting out thing. Can a homosexual orientation be turned around? Uh, if you're asking me, all I have to do is refer to John Harvey, Father John Harvey, who said, um, who founded uh, Courage. It's not dig dignity is a pro-homosexual organization. It's Courage. It's a Catholic, uh, Catholic group for uh, people with homosexual tendencies. And he basically said no. It's you're stuck with it. And he felt that you don't have to act on it. You can be stuck with it, but you can get out of the, uh, the, um, the habituation, the, the addiction of constantly acting on your, on these premises. Uh, Joe Nicolosi came up with something called reparative therapy. And I have to ex think that it was, uh, effective because California, the state of California banned it. Uh, Joe is dead, but I think his son is carrying one, I think, in, in Florida. But uh, that's called reparative therapy. Now, I would have to respect the opinion of Father Harvey. He had a lot more dealings with these people than I do. I have no dealings. I have zero dealings with homosexuals. Zero. Uh, and if he said it's, 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 he felt that homosexuals should not get married. I, I, I mean, real marriage, you know, to a woman. Now, there are Protestant groups who feel that, uh, yeah, you can be cured and you can get married. But that, I'm suspicious of that because I'm wary of cheap grace. It's a Protestant phenomenon. And uh, you, you can get all enthusiastic about your conversion, but then uh, after that wears off, you suddenly find yourself back in the same old boat uh, that you were in before. I think this is what happened to, to Michael Voris. He, the enthusiasm wore, wore off and his demons returned. And he, you know, returned to the vomit of his sins. Uh, that's my interpretation of what the violation of the moral clause is. So uh, you have to be realistic about these things. You know, I mean, it's a struggle. It's a struggle on the part of the homosexuals. They can be saved uh, in spite of their homosexual tendencies, but they're not uh, really suitable for the priesthood or what. In fact, is a super priesthood here, 
which is what Michael uh, Morris's apostle was. Shouldn't have done it. I told him that. In so many words, I offered to take his place in front of the camera. But when you're a narcissist, you have to be in front of the camera. You have to be at the center of some drama, some cosmic drama. And you are the guy who's going to solve this cosmic drama by your daring action. This is pure homosexual narcissism. And people like this should not be in charge of anything to do with the Catholic faith. From a user on Cozy, um, this week was the 60th anniversary of the JFK assassination. Do you agree with the thesis of JFK and the unspeakable? JFK and the? The unspeakable. What's that thesis? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's a book. Um, I don't, don't, I'm not familiar with the book, so I can't, uh, can't give you my opinion of the thesis. I guess what what is your your personal uh, thesis on what happened with JFK? Okay, let me start at the beginning. It wasn't a lone deranged gunman. Okay, it was a conspiracy. It was a coup d'état. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is right when he says it was a coup d'état. I think it was a coup d'état that involved the CIA and the Israelis. Uh, the Israelis uh, knew that Kennedy was going to prevent them from getting a nuclear bomb. And the CIA was mad at him because they were the shadow government and they were, uh, they were uh, upset because he didn't send in the troops at the Bay of Pigs. So they were the two people with motivation. Other motivation, uh, Lyndon Johnson certainly had motivation in this because he became the president. As soon as he became president, he became a tool of the Israelis that uh, John F. Kennedy was trying to hold in line. They're my views. Okay, from uh, Chino Groiper, um, he, uh, he's asking if you could talk about the Pope inviting trannies to the Vatican. Yeah, I saw the text and he said that uh, God, male and female, God created them. So he's doing, he's preaching to the trannies. Uh, he's not endorsing what they're doing. Do, do you, this happened roughly around the same time as St. Mary's making their announcement, I believe? Yeah. Uh, is, that, Saint, is that related in any way? No, it's the exact opposite. St. Mary's has just committed suicide. So when I got fired, they were no longer a Catholic institution, and now they're no longer a female institution because guys are going to show up in the locker room, ladies. <laughs> Get ready for it. Some big dude is going to take his clothes off in the locker room, and you're going to have to pretend you're not seeing what you're seeing. This is a total violation of the whole principle of a woman's college, much less a Catholic woman's college, and these leaders are blind. The, the, the people in charge, the president of the college, the board of idiots that she asked for their advice are committing suicide and they don't even know it. From WZ10997 on Cozy, uh, Dr. Jones, do you see any signs of the church freeing itself from all these problems? Will it ever cancel the Holocaust? Yes, it's going to happen. Because if it doesn't happen, it's not the church. The church cannot perdure in error. It has to correct itself because it's the church. It's a divine institution that's made up of losers from beginning to end. Uh, traitors. Weak men. People who can't think for themselves and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, if it were dependent on them, it would have failed a long time ago. This is precisely what uh, whoever it was 
the Pope at the time, Napoleon captures the Pope and he says, I'm going to destroy the Catholic Church. And the Pope said, look, if we bishops haven't destroyed it by now, you can't do it. That's the situation. It's always been the situation. It's a combination of St. Peter and Judas and 10 other guys, you know, who were willing ultimately to die for the faith. From 6 million Thuster, uh, is EMJ open to talking to Andrew Anglin about recent news, R.E. the Pope? Has he spoken to England before? We've actually we've had a lot of questions about uh, you speaking. Yeah, and, Andrew, I think Andrew Anglin said if I were Pope, he'd become a Catholic. So I don't know whether that's the basis for a conversation or not, but, you know, I'm flattered to hear that. But I hate break. I'm going to break the news to you, uh, Andrew. I'm not going to become Pope. OK, it's not going to happen. And if you're waiting for that, you're going to miss the boat. Uh, and I tried to talk about while the, the parishes out there where the faith is being proclaimed and where people are raising families successfully. I, I talked about that wedding, uh, Liam's wedding, Liam and Katya's wedding in Muskegon. It's, it testifies to the fact that this church is real. The sacraments are real sources of grace. And you shouldn't let yourself be confused by, by the headlines or people like Michael Voris. One guy wrote to me and said, uh, um, I'm thinking of, uh, what's it, what do you say? I said, you should become a Catholic. He said, I'm not going to become a Catholic. The church is full of faggots. I said, how do you know that? He said, I watch Michael Voris. So there's that evangelization for you, negative evangelization. Ignore people like that. Okay, it's uh, 610. You want to do uh, one, one more? One more question. Okay, from a user on Cozy, uh, Dr. Jones, why should Americans revere President Kennedy? Was he truly great? I think he was a flawed man, but I think he was a man who felt that he had a mandate from the American people and was trying to act according to that mandate and Catholic principle as he understood it. He was the last man, I think, that had felt that he had could act on a mandate from the American people, according to obviously according to Catholic principle. Lyndon Johnson was a prisoner of the Jews and didn't last long. And after that, they were always captured by someone or other. The culmination of this being the second Catholic president who was a complete captive of 457 Jews who were running his administration. Peace. Thank you for being here. Uh, go to fidelitypress.org and buy this book, and we will have a much more intelligent conversation the next time around. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.